The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff. Are you ready for an ecstatic love life? I am. Today, the topic is women, sex, and aging. The best is yet to come. And my guests and I are here to tell you this is absolutely true. I'm going to do something I've never done on this show, which is to have a guest on two weeks in a row. It's Jala Jabonine. Now, last week, we discussed bringing ecstasy, intimacy, and peace into your love life. After the show, she mentioned that she recently turned 60 and would love to have the opportunity sometime to explore the topic of women, sex, and aging because women are told they'll be less sexual as they age and it doesn't have to be that way. And and keeping our sensuality and our eroticism in our lives is really important. And since I'm older than she is and I've personally found sex to keep getting better and better to a degree I never thought possible... I jumped at her offer and said, well, how about next week? So here we are. And we're going to explore why and how, like fine wine, your sex life can get better as you age. We'll discuss why and how this can be an opportunity to discover new dimensions of your sensual self and your sexual relationship with yourself and your partner if you have one. We're talking about pleasure and ecstasy you may not have known existed And we're here to personally report that this can be a very exciting phase of life. Jalaja spent years on the front lines working for peace, and she continues to be a very grounded, sensual, embodied spiritual leader. And in case you haven't heard last week's show, I'll give you a brief bio. In her earlier years, Jalaja learned Indian temple dance in South India. There, she connected with an ancient lineage of priestesses, who modeled the integration of spirituality and sexuality. Later, she offered workshops on movement as a spiritual practice, co-creating a sanctuary space where women would slow down and listen deeply to their hearts and bodies. And eventually, this evolved into her method called circle work, an international circle work leadership training. Jala Jabonine, Ph.D., is now the founder and director of the Institute for Circle Work and one of the foremost experts in the use of circle gatherings for healing, peacemaking, and women's empowerment. She has gained international recognition for her groundbreaking work with Jewish and Palestinian women in the Middle East. She's the author of five books, uh, one being The Hunger for Ecstasy, Fulfilling the Soul's Need for Passion and Intimacy, which, of course, was a big one for me. And her latest book is uh, Evolving Toward Peace, Awakening the Global Heart. Now, when one of her first books, I think it might have been her first book, called Aphrodite's Daughters, came out in 1997, 
I think that's when it was, three different women recommended it to me within a couple of weeks' time. So naturally, I dashed out and bought it. And it's based on the sexual stories of ordinary American women. It shows the immensely important role sexuality plays in shaping our spiritual journey. I was enthralled. The stories are so memorable that I can still recall a few of them to this day. And I think she might share a couple during this show. And so after she and I decided to do this show, I pulled out my copy, my two copies of Aphrodite's Daughters, because I've always kept one for myself and one to, to share with others. So welcome, Dr. Jala Jabonheim. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's such a treat to be back again with you. Yeah, yeah, for me too. And I'm so glad you suggested that we um, explore this topic together. So let's start with, um, you know, one of the things people think of when they think of women's aging has to do with menopause. And, you know, women are often told they'll be less sexual as they age. But let's explore what it really means. Now, that's not even true for all women because when the estrogen-testosterone balance um, shifts, like when the estrogen production in a woman goes down, relative to their testosterone, which gives you know sexual drive, some women find they actually have a higher sexual drive. But that's not true for everybody. And for most women, their sexuality and their erotic nature does seem to to change, and I think it really expands in many ways. So, um, let's explore this. What just where would you like to begin with that particular topic? Well, I love that you said that it it expands because I think that is a key. That if we only define our sexuality in the way that this culture does, in terms of genital sexuality. Um, we're missing the boat. And yeah. so, so part of what, what I tell women is look at sexuality in a much bigger way. Look at it is as the movement of life force through your whole being. And when women begin to do that, they begin to realize, wow, you know, I have all this erotic energy moving through me. It's not gone at all. And, and as you mentioned, I think for many women, it's actually stronger. But we have to learn how to relate to it in a new way, because a lot of times the old ways just aren't working anymore for us so well. That's true. And, so, and you just reminded me of something that, I, that expresses this, and that is, oh gosh, it was probably eight or ten years ago. I went with a friend to this, I don't know, it was some expo, some erotic expo, and they had speakers, and they had people selling products and, you know, essential oils and sexual toys and lingerie and all this kind of stuff. It was in San Francisco. And a couple of the women there, um, I got to talk with women who were making presentations. One of them was an ex-porn star who was actually highly regarded. I forget her name. She, I forget her stage name, but she was actually... Uh, quite beautiful and she was post 60 at that time when I met her and there was also um, I think Annie Sprinkle was there Mm -hmm. and as these women were talking and sharing and they would just they would talk about their orgasmic energy that they could just experience on demand basically they would just like run their fingers of one hand up from up the inner arm of their opposite hand up up, Mm -hmm. opposite arm from their (laughs) 
palm and up to their wrist to their inner elbow and up and they you could see they would just suddenly like undulate with this energy going right up their bodies and just this delicious smile and often a sound coming out of their mouths it was just this wonderful all they had to do was think of something sensual Mm -hmm. and that orgasmic energy would just undulate through them and I was just fascinated because I know this well now but at the time I wasn't as familiar with that so they were a great sort of example or induction yeah, and you know, it's so great because you're reminding me of what this, what one of the women that I interviewed, she said to me, you know, I realized at some point that I had to make a choice to be a sexual woman. It doesn't just happen, it is a choice. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about women who made that choice. And it's a choice we have to make over and over. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. we're not just, it's like if I, if I want to learn to play the piano, I have to practice. And so with sexuality too, I mean, you know, someone might be listening to you and saying, oh, I can run my, my hand up my arm and nothing happens. Well, these women had trained their bodies, they had opened, they had worked with their sexual energy. And we can all do that. And I do think that as we age, it becomes actually easier to do that. We have more access to it. So, you know, in my experience, women, women, women get so exquisitely sensitive. And that's a lot of times not acknowledged at all. Yes. And, and it becomes, as you said, less genital, far more tuned into sensory experience and energy. And so I think if I was listening to this, I would be asking, so how do you do that? How do you become Mm -hmm. more tuned Mm -hmm. into that? So let's discuss Mm -hmm. that a little bit. I have some ideas about it, but um, let's hear what you have to say. Well, I would say again, you know, remember it begins with a choice. Um, Once you make that choice, your body is there to guide you. It knows what it wants. Mm -hmm. And if we begin to really listen to what our body wants, it does tell us. And so I think for a lot of women, it has, it begins with slowing down because if you don't, if you're going too fast, you don't really know what your body is trying to tell you. And I see a lot of women who are caught up in that workaholic mode and then they want to have ecstatic sex. You know, but they're so out of touch with their heart and with the natural rhythms of their own being. Mm-hmm. So, so this flower of ecstatic, erotic energy, it grows out of a life that is lived in alignment with that. Um, so a lot of times I tell couples, you got to take more time because they think they can take two hours to make love and that's going to be great. You know, and I tell them about the tantric teachings where they say you have to have three days. And they go, wow, three days. I don't know if we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in my experience, it is very true that it it takes time to drop into that space. It's not something that happens instantly. So, um... The sad thing is I hear from a lot of women that their partners, when they're, if they're with a man, a lot of men become less interested in sex. And I've heard a lot of women say, he's just not interested anymore. 
And I think part of it is that men, even more than women, have bought into this myth of genital sexuality. And they get scared, oh, I'm not going to be able to maintain an erection. I'm not going to be able to function the way I used to. And so they just turn away from it. And in fact, it is such a wonderful opportunity because women have been waiting for the man to be able to not orgasm so quickly, to be able to stay with it. And finally, it's possible, you know. So the opportunities are amazing. If partners can let go of this performance-driven image of what sex should look like. Yes. So I have a couple of things I want to piggyback on what you've said. Um, One is when you talked about dropping into that space and really giving yourselves time to explore this realm, I do want to say that once you do that, and the more often you do that, the easier it is to drop into that place in a shorter amount right. of time so you don't That's always true. have to take three days <laughs> no, no. it gets to where you can just like lay together with the intention of of being sensual and then and just allow and just kind of embrace and allow that energy to start to unfold and then it it has a life of its own if you tap into that the other thing about what you said uh, regarding men um two things one is um I did a survey of about uh, 700 people, more than that. It's kind of accumulating people um, who are my subscribers. And they're a li- they skew a little bit older from like mid-30s to late-60s. And I really noticed that men, much more than wanting just hot sex, they want deep intimacy with a mm-hmm. spiritual connection. And if they can have hot sex with it, great. But they want that deep intimacy more than just hot sex and they also want they want to give and they want their partner to be able to let go and get out of her head which is what most women would like to be able to do too Mm -hmm. but based on what you said about um you know men initiating and all that women saying their partners don't um a couple of months ago i had um a urologist on my show with boston medical center it's dr um Morgenthaler, and he spoke, because he sees men all the time who are coming to see him about their most intimate issues, usually around their genitals and so forth, and he said so many men spoke of being afraid to initiate sex because it's something they don't want to like, they say they don't want to lead their partner on if they can't fulfill Mm. the expectation that they think she has, so they're still thinking a traditional way. Like if I can't give her the heart on that I used to immediately, then I don't want to lead her on by even holding her hand. So women are becoming essentially starved with their partners and the men too. And so I think we have to educate. We have to let our partners, if we have them know that one, we really want that touch and we don't interpret that caressing or that cuddling or that handholding or kissing, all of that, we don't necessarily interpret that as having to go to intercourse, let alone mm-hmm. anything in between that and intercourse. And we, we would love to explore all the possible realms in between things that we might not have done together before because we were into that sort of Masters and Johnson conventional mm-hmm. paradigm of, you know, arousal and move toward intercourse and orgasm and then decline, you know. 
So it's a whole new arena. And if we have a partner, first we're going to discuss what, how to explore this if we don't have a partner in depth. But if we do have a partner, um, it's really so important to communicate how things are changing for you and, you know, explore, ask them how they're changing for your partner, if it's a man especially, um, you know, and what you can ex- discuss what each of your, you know, concerns are, what your fears about your own response are, uh, your concerns about how the other person will respond or what they need and whether you can deliver. And that in itself deepens the intimacy. That in itself can create a like a foundation for a deeper level of sensuality because now there's a deeper connection at a heart level. And I think you're so right about this longing for intimacy, you know, true intimacy. That it's not just, now it's not just driven by this need, this hormonal need, but that there is this deep love, this intimacy, this capacity for that, that I think both men and women often don't have when they're young. So there is just such a depth. And in some ways, it's like a time where... um, Everything we've created in our life comes to fruition. Mm. So if we have created a relationship where the kind of communication that you're talking about is possible, it's going to serve you. If you have not, it's still possible. And I have seen relationships really blossom and transform in ways that the partners would never have thought possible at an earlier age. Well, let's talk about that after the break. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so it is time for a short break. And um, before we go, I want to just tell my listeners about a quick, um, quickly about a gift I have. It's my hour-long audio and e-book called Beyond Orgasm, How to Have a More Deeply Connected Sexual Experience, which is right on point with what we're discussing. Mm -hmm. So you can find that at ecstatica.com on the homepage. That's E-X... T-A-T-I-C-A dot com. Or you can go to beyondorgasm.com and get to the same place. And the replays of the show and all the Ecstatica radio shows are available streaming online or as MP3 downloads to take with you at ecstatica.com slash show, S-H-O-W. Um, you can also get the transcripts of the shows there. So this is Ellen Etoff with Jala Jabonheim. Stay tuned for more on women, sex, and aging. The best is yet to come. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. 
How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica with Dr. Jala Jabonine, author of Aphrodite's Daughters, The Hunger for Ecstasy, and Evolving Toward Peace. And before we get back to the subject of women, sex, and aging and how, it's the, how the best is yet to come, I want to mention something you might have heard during the break uh, that relates to this. Um, it's my Love Unbound Music for Lovemaking infused with auditory pheromones. It's great for all adults, but especially good for older lovers. And this is because so many people who use this music uh, while they're making love say that it does things that a lot of... Um, us would like as we um, get on in years, things like enhancing libido and arousal rates for both partners, enhances intimacy and a sense of spiritual connection. Um, If you're going for orgasm, it often helps orgasms be um, easier for women and helps release a lot of the cultural inhibitions and, and religious inhibitions for greater spontaneity. And it also eases communication about sexual needs and desires. These are things we never expected when we produced this music infused with 74 layers of resonant frequencies. So um, to learn more about that, go to getabettersexlife.com. So before we went to break, um, Jalaja was about to tell us a little bit about um, discussions she's had with couples. So let's jump into that before we get down to um, individuals, which is such a juicy topic, but... What were you going to say about couples? Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for sending me that music, and I started listening to it, and it is amazing. And I can't wait hey. to start using it in my circle, so I really recommend it. It's beautiful, just as music. Very oh, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. 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 Yeah, so, you know, I've seen couples who, well, I think of this one couple that I know, they basically, if they'd gone, if they'd come to me as as a counselor in their early years, I would have said, get a divorce. I mean, it was so bad. They were like always fighting. He was always, you know, getting involved with other women. It was this constant power struggle. And now they have the most exquisite relationship, just beautiful. And in part, it had to do with his hormones quieting down. 
um, but also with this depth of love that has been growing between them for so many years. And now, I mean, he was telling me when they make love, it is just infinite. It's beautiful. And in the first years of their connection, that would have been impossible. It was passionate, you know, but it didn't have that exquisite depth that it has now. I hope men are listening to this, too, because they need to know that women are just craving that. And women Mm -hmm. understand that men really do want intimacy, too. And I think a lot of men are getting a bad rap, especially as they get older. Their desires change as well. They do. And I think for women, you know, a big thing is letting go of our vanity and getting over our body image stuff. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, because our bodies aren't getting younger. And if we've really swallowed that whole beauty myth, then we're going to have trouble as we age with our own body. So I think it's really important that we understand that generally those judgments are coming from within ourselves. They're often not coming from the men. Right. You know, well, and the most media men are, are so happy. Too. Yeah. yeah, most men are so happy if they have a passionate, erotic, alive woman. That's what they want more than anything. More than anything. You said it, yes. Yeah. They would rather have a passionate, alive, responsive, spontaneously erotic woman than a gorgeous, you know, playboy bunny that just lays there and <laughs> right. and who ah, you know, that's those not who genuine. Want the playboy yeah. bunny are not the ones you want to be with anyway. No. <laughs> so. Sorry, ladies. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about um, something that I think is such a great phrase that I had never heard before you described it, which is making love with God and mm-hmm. what it means. And, and kind of as an intro to this, I want to segue between couples and individuals, actually, because in my own experience as my own sexuality has evolved, um, I found that sex can be actually an experience, for me anyway, of God making love through me. Not making Mm. love with God, God being everything, but somehow God just like God or consciousness, whatever whatever phrase you use for spirit or the divine, but the divine literally making love through me. And actually, I interviewed years ago Rocco Erico, who's a a minister who teaches um, the clergy. And I asked him, I said, do you think sex can be a gateway to the divine? He says, no. He says, sex is divine. It's like we are God expressed or pressed out into human form. And sexuality is is that. It's God expressed. And I just experience that so directly now at this stage of my life. And and then you talk about that experience as an individual, that we don't, that older women, especially anybody, there's so many people who don't have partners. But I think a lot of women, as we get older, kind of um, bemoan the fact that 
we don't have a partner. We're afraid we'll never have a partner. We think we should have a partner. Mm-hmm. We're sexual. And if we don't, we're not sexual anymore. But it doesn't have to be that way. So let's go into a little depth about making love with God, what it means and why every woman should do it. <laughs> yes, I think every woman should do it. Well, you know, something I encountered first when I went to India And in this tradition of Indian temple dance, these dancers were temple priestesses. And when they reached puberty, they were actually married to God in this elaborate ritual. Now, when we hear married to God, we tend to think of nuns, you know, where that means, okay, they're going to be celibate. But in that tradition, it meant the very opposite, It meant that just exactly what you were describing, as they were making love, that divine energy was streaming through them. And Mm -hmm. so in that practice, they were also relating to their lovers as embodiments of the divine. And I find that, you know, in our culture, we can get too hung up on the personal aspect of relationship. Um, the personal is very beautiful. It's very important. But there is also a dimension where each individual is pure, divine, sacred, masculine, sacred, feminine energy that is way beyond the personal. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful thing to experience. And I think I've, had, I've heard many stories from people who have had experiences of that, where it really wasn't about me, my personality, and you, your personality. It was something way beyond that, just streaming through. So when I came into contact with this energy and with this tradition that really cultivated, taught you to cultivate that energy. What a wonderful training you were getting. You yeah, were yeah. You know, it was, initially, some aspects of it seemed sort of simple-minded to me, coming from the Western tradition. For example, you know, in the temples in India, there are these deities, these statues, and every morning the priests will dress them and almost like dolls, you know, they would give them breakfast. And and to me, initially, this seemed very almost childish. But then I began to understand that there is a practice of calling forth the inner lover. And in the beginning stages, you are using your imagination. You are imagining this lover who is the most perfect lover, who knows you in your most intimate depths and loves you completely. Now, in our culture, you know, when a child has these, oh, you have an imaginary friend, you know, so we make this distinction between, well, that's just imaginary, meaning it isn't real. But what I learned in this tradition is that if you continue to work with your imagination, it can lead you to a place where this inner lover comes alive, and it is completely real. It is no longer imaginary. 
And um, in my book, Aphrodite's Daughters, there are a few stories of of women who had that experience. Yes, who, would you tell one? I would, would love to hear one. Of yeah, those yeah. I mean, the, there's this um, there's this very funny one of this woman who decided that she she was brought up in a Catholic household, and she was told that making love to God was the most ecstatic thing. And she wanted it. She wanted it tremendously. Now, this woman, when she, she was a very sexual, erotic woman, and when she was 14, she had a boyfriend, and for three years they made passionate love, and she loved it. But she thought, there's something else, and it's much better, and I want it. Mm. So at 17 years old, she joins this convent, and she's looking for God in every rosary bead, in every <laughs> genuflection, and she's bored to death, and she's not finding anything. And mm. she thinks, well, I must be doing it wrong. And then at night... She would go to bed and she would describe going to bed with this, in these little sort of cubicles almost that they had, and she would call God, and God would come, and God would make love to her. And she describes it as having wow. these incredible heart orgasms. Now, the, the funny thing is that she thought this wasn't it. Oh. She thought there was something else that all the other nuns were doing, and she was the only one that wasn't getting it. <laughs> and she couldn't figure out what it was. And, you know, she describes this experience of what happened when she would have her period. Now, do we have time? Do we have a few more minutes yes, for me yes. to be good? Let me Go tell ahead. you, this is a great story. She says, you know, there was this vow of poverty, and when you had your period, you had to go to the Mother Superior, and you say, Mother Superior, may I have a cotex? And the Mother Superior, she would get out her key ring, and there were all these keys, and she would go through one door and another cabinet and another cabinet, and then she would give you the one Cotex, and you were only allowed um. to have one because it was the vow of poverty. So for two uh. years, her name was Teresa. Teresa went through this very obediently every month when she got her period. And then one month came where she says somehow things were different. And she goes to the Mother Superior, and she says, Mother Superior, may I have a codex? And the Mother Superior gets out all her keys, and she goes through this. And suddenly, Teresa thinks to herself, my God, they have locked away sex. Oh. And she said, that thought had never occurred to me before. And Mother Superior finally gets to the cabinet with a codex, and she pulls one out, and she gives it Teresa, and Teresa says, Mother Superior, I would like to have two. And Mother Superior looks at her very sternly and says, Well, Teresa, you know you can have as many as you like, but only one at a time. Uh. And she says, Mother Superior, I want two. Oh. And 
that's when the dam bursts. Mother Superior says no, and Teresa just explodes, and she starts cursing her, and she starts saying, <laughs> you fucking bitch, and all these things just start gurgling out of her. Everything that she's been repressing just bursts to the surface. And so that was the end of her career as a nun. <laughs> and she went on to become a tantric teacher oh because she realized that she had already this knowledge of how to make love with God. It was inside of her. And she had been looking outside to these religious authorities for something that was already inside of her. She had that knowledge. And so many women do have that knowledge. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something once we understand that it is possible and that there are tools for cultivating this, whether we are doing it alone or with a partner, it's just a most wonderful thing to bring into our sexuality and into our spirituality, both. Oh, I just love that story. Thank you so much for sharing it. I haven't read that for so many years. I remembered parts of it, but it was so delicious to hear you tell it. And, you know, I think with so many women, as we get older, it's finally like, I'm just not going to put up with it anymore. People start Mm -hmm. feeling like all the things that we've done to get approval from others, to get love or to not be annihilated, it's sort of like, you know, I just don't care anymore. They let them deal with it. You know, I'm just going to be who I am. And I think that's, that's related. You know, I think it's sort of like we have to be who we are sensually, sexually as well. And, um, and we're going to take a break now. So before we jump into the next thing, um, this is going to be our last break. This is Ellen Etoff with Dr. Jala Jabonheim. And you can get replays of this program in all Ecstatica radio episodes, both streaming online or downloads, plus transcripts of the show at ecstatica.com slash show. That's E-X as in exciting, T-A-T-I-C-A dot com slash S-H-O-W. Oh, and I do want to say that that book she was um, telling a story from, I want to mention it again because it's still in print, isn't it, Jalaja? It is, yes. Yeah, it's after all these years, this is a rarity that a book is in print for, what, I don't know, 17 years Mm -hmm. uh, in these days. Um, It's called Aphrodite's Daughters, A-P-H-R-O-D-I-T-E. Apostrophe S. Aphrodite's Daughters by Jala Jabonheim, and I'm going to spell your name. It's J A L A J A, last name B as in boy, O N as in Nancy, H E I M as in Mary. Okay, so here we go. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. 
And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff with Dr. Jala Jabonheim, and we're exploring women, sex, and aging. The best is yet to come. And by the way, Jalaja's website is... Um, evolvingtowardpeace.com. I'll say that again later, but again, it's evolvingtowardpeace.com. So before we went to break, we were discussing making love with God, and she told a wonderful story about um, a woman in a convent doing exactly that and then just sort of like blowing the whole thing off. (laughs) But, you know, I know that making love with God can be, is a very abstract concept and might be considered a little woo-woo. So let's talk about that in a little more depth and try to ground it in a little more practical manner. So um, I'm going to hand that over to you, Jalaja. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah, I think I'm glad you're bringing that up because I don't talk about it very much because it does sound, to a lot of people, it does sound so woo-woo. In fact, it isn't at all. Um, It is just a very simple practice of approaching yourself and your partner as vessels of sacred energy. Um, And I think that especially if you are in a long-term relationship, it's so easy to get mired in all the everyday chores and the ideas we create about each other, the images. And it is so healing and purifying to come back that, to that commitment of, I am going to relate to this person as a sacred being. You know? So valuable. We, we long for that. We each long to be seen and, because it is a mark of the deepest respect. And so mm-hmm. to bring that expression of respect into our relationships. That's really what we're talking about um, if we are in a relationship. If we are not in a relationship, then, you know, then it can be a wonderful process that brings us back to the awareness that we are desirable. 
because a lot, I see it in a lot of women who are single. And, you know, let's face it, more and more women over the age of 60 are single. Yes. And what can so easily happen is that we just give up on our sexuality. We just give up on our erotic energy. And, and the, so, the consequence of that is that our sensual energy starts to shut down, and then we're not actually sort of conveying that erotic energy on a subconscious level to other people. So we actually reduce our chances of finding a partner when we do that. Yeah, we're And the reverse attractive. is true. So if you keep yourself um, sort of eroticized and sexually alive, that energy also is palpable to other people. And just not, not in a seductive way but in a way that's just appealing because it's the vital life force but that's also appealing for you know potential partners who knows yes it is it's attractive yeah yeah i totally agree and it is you know it, it's i think it's also healthy i think it oh makes we know this yes younger and more alive and more vital and so I really would recommend for any woman who is single to build little rituals into her life where she takes a wonderful bath or she she puts lotion on her body or she dances, whatever you can do to awaken that energy. And this whole idea of making love to God, use it playfully, you know, just imagine, well, what if I had this lover? What would I feel like? What would he be like? It's a great way of getting those juices flowing. So yes, and I, imagine I, that as the divine masculine, as you were saying. The divine, the divine yeah, feminine. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, I remember in one of my circles, there was a Middle Eastern woman, and she said she wanted to teach us some belly dance. And I thought, oh, great, you know, she's going to tell us, rotate your hips this way or that. What she had us do was close our eyes, and then she said, I want you to imagine that you are the most beautiful woman alive. You are the most desirable, sensual woman. And she had us breathe through that, that image, that awareness. And then she invited the women to move, to move their body from that place. And then gradually she had us open our eyes. And it was amazing the way that women were moving. It was so beautiful. And so that's such a small example about how we can use our imagination to nurture our own sensuality, our erotic energy. And, you know, it brings me back to what I said in the very beginning. It is a choice. We need to make that choice. Indeed. And that's a very powerful exercise. And this also reminds me that, um, well, there's a lot of research about the health benefits of regular sex, whether it's with yourself or with a partner, um, including heart health and better skin and nails and so forth and hair. But um, also, one of the top three things that men find attractive in a woman is confidence. This is, many studies have shown this. And what you were saying is if you are envisioning yourself as the most beautiful woman on the planet, that can't help but enhance your sense of confidence and your energy that you convey 
know, exactly. that energetic yeah. self-confidence. Yeah. yeah. As well as the uh, sensuality and eroticism, just the energy of self-confidence, like grounded in your femininity and your sense of value and beauty as a woman at a very deep level. Um, right, right. And to understand that it's not coming from the outer physical body. Exactly. You know, it's coming from another dimension. So and no this can only make are, us happier and more peaceful within ourselves. Yes, 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 absolutely. And more fun. <laughs> more, definitely more fun, definitely more fun, yeah. You know, in, uh, one of the things I've always found intriguing was in Greek mythology, we have Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love. And Aphrodite has this, they describe it as a girdle. I think of it more as some kind of like, you know, belly dance belt or something. And whoever wears Aphrodite's girdle is irresistibly attractive. And now and then one of the other goddesses will come to Aphrodite and say, oh, by the way, would you mind loaning me your girdle for the night? <laughs> and I think that is a fascinating image because it really conveys that there is this divine energy that makes us attractive and that this energy doesn't come from the personality, it doesn't come from our body, it comes from a divine source. And we can ask for it. We can say, I want Aphrodite's girdle. I want to be wearing that tonight and to feel that we are wearing that and that there is this source in us of magnetism, of erotic energy that we can call upon. Oh, I love that. You know... It's such a great story, and I love that imagery. I actually got chills when you described it as borrowing Aphrodite's girdle and the sort of the belly dancing um, attire. And I want to bring up something that's very practical and concrete, and that is conditioned association and conditioned response. You know, you've heard of Pavlov's dogs, where he he gives the dogs uh, the, the food and they salivate, and he rings a bell at the same time and so they salivate and then he does this often enough that eventually he rings the bell and there's no food present there's nothing for them to smell but they salivate at the sound of the bell and we can do this with our own um our own bodies our own energy so if we make love with ourselves and start having these associations in our minds and having this erotic or even orgasmic response um we can do that and touch the inside of our, you know, stroke the inside of our arms. And then later, when we're not in such um, an intimate situation, we can stroke the inside of our arms and just immediately have that mm. conditioned response to that erotic, mm. you know, sensual experience. And we can do the same thing by ero- with eroticizing various parts of our bodies. You can do this with your partner. Like when your partner or yourself are very aroused, you can tweak different types, different parts of the body like the inner thighs or the back of the neck or the nipples or whatever it is and start to bring like orgasmic response or sensation into this um, these parts of the body. And I also want to say something about orgasm because we – you know, we know that orgasm can be the, you know, the contraction of the pelvic floor muscles and so forth. But an orgasm can also be a state. It can be, oh my gosh, the most delicious state where that 
um, kundalini energy, that, that serpent energy that you were describing in the story of Adam and Eve last week that has been shut down in our culture from um, the earliest creation stories. Um, but as that energy starts to free up and we allow it to free up, move up our spines and just allow our bodies to move with that natural um, responsive energy, it's actually like going into an orgasmic state. And you may or may not have a peak orgasm. You kind of go over the top. But Mm -hmm. the journey can be so delicious. And that state is what I think I was observing in these women I mentioned at the sex expo who were stroking the inside of their arms, whether they were having a genital orgasm or not, I can't say, but they were clearly delighting in that orgasmic state, which is a full body response and a full energy body response. And that is where sex expands into this whole new realm. It becomes so much bigger than just our physical bodies and so much more satisfying than just a physical orgasm. And even this heart orgasm you mentioned, I mean, I've had a few of those. They're totally unexpected. And that's, I mean, that's really mm-hmm. feels very physical in the heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on there, but um, it can be very powerful. But I just want to m- validate people's experience of this um, This fluid moving energy state that can cause undulations in your body. It might cause jerky movements, which um, can be called kriyas, K-R-I-Y-A-S, I I believe, in Tantra. Um, This is like energy moving or trying to unblock itself. And um, I do work with people on unblocking energy that has been shut down for a variety of reasons. But I just want to make sure that we expand the definition of sensual and erotic energy because a lot of people are probably experiencing this and don't know what to call it or what it is or if other people have experienced it. And I just want to share with anybody listening that that this is um, a really valid and delicious experience of that life force just flowing through you. I would say it's the most delicious it is. It it's is. the most delicious. It is the God energy <laughs> flowing through, whether you're on your own because, or with somebody else. I mean, because you can stay in it for hours. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With that one. So I really want to, um, you know, and this is, well, you know, and we came up with this plan for this discussion. Um, I want to, tell you that I did a Google search on what, you know, on women, sex, and aging, and so forth, and I came across something on askmen.com. It's a very big website, and there was a list of the top 10 things we love about older women, and number three was older women have more sexual experience. Mm-hmm. I can go into details, but, um, and they have, and they added to that, they've gotten over the little insecurities and anxieties that can never and negatively impact their sex lives and then we're comfortable in their own skin mm-hmm. and they know how to yes. make the bedroom exciting and interesting and they've gone beyond bedroom basics because their experience makes them more willing to try new things and men love that and the yes. number two th- reason they love older women was that more women have more relationship experience so you know and you know that includes intimacy so 
oh, there's just we could we could discuss so much, but we're we're coming to a close in our time here. But um, is there anything else you'd like to say in conclusion about this topic? Before, uh, just in a little time we have left, Jalaja. Well, yes, there's one thing I'd like to say, and that is that in all traditional cultures, women supported women. And I think that we need the support of other women, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm so committed to women's circles. First of all, in women's circles, there is incredibly strong kundalini energy. So even though we might not be working on something directly sexual, this life force energy, this orgasmic energy is awakening, is being nourished. And second of all, we need that support. We need to give each other the support that this is good, you know, and that this is possible for each other. Because we're not going to hear much of this in the outer world. This you is know, so true, and I have a women's group meeting tonight, so I can't wait to tell them about yeah, this, yeah, <laughs> this we interview. Need this. We need this. You know, we need as women to support each other in this, on this journey. I think we it's do. crucial. I don't think we can do it alone. Absolutely, and that's one thing about being the feminine energy. It's that networking, that, that cross-lateral um, nurturing of each other. And I want to tell people about your other website, too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, is it instituteforcirclework.org or the institute? It's, you got it right. Instituteforcirclework.org. Okay. And, and you can read it. I'm about to leave for the Middle East and do some more circles for the Jewish and Palestinian women there. So you can read all about that. Absolutely. What fantastic work you're doing there. And then your other website, again, is Evolving Toward Peace. Com. So thank you so much, Jala Jabonheim. This has been just so rich and fun. Thank you. It's really been appreciate fun for it. me. I really enjoyed talking to you, Ellen. Okay. So if, again, if you'd like a transcript of this or any of my other Ecstatica shows and links to Jala Jabonheim's websites, visit ecstatica.com slash show. E-X-T-A-T-I-C-A dot com slash S-H-O-W. Thank you for listening to Ecstatica. This is Ellen Etoff in support of you having an erotic, ecstatic love life. We hope you learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life.